every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Leslie Henthorne, the CMO at Ironclad, a contract lifestyle management software that provides a secure way to create and collaborate on contracts. In Leslie's return to the podcast, she discusses riding the wave of the shift in AI, Ironclad's influencer strategy, and getting into the psyche of your target persona. She also talks about strengthening your relationship with sales and prioritizing alignment even when you have a strong inbound funnel. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Qualified. If you're a revenue team that runs your business on Salesforce, Qualified will accelerate your lead generation, pipeline, and ultimately revenue. Learn more at qualified.com. And now, please enjoy this interview between Leslie Henthorne, the CMO at Ironclad, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Pipeline Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and I am joined by a special recurring guest now. Leslie, how are you? I'm doing great, Ian. How are you? I am wonderful. So excited to chat with you again. We're going to dig in super deep on all the cool stuff that y'all been doing at Ironclad and much more. And today's episode is always brought to you by our friends at Qualified. Go to qualified.com to learn more. So Leslie, what's been up since we saw you last? A lot of, uh, a lot of cool stuff going on at Ironclad. You, you're selling to, to new people. You got all sorts yes. of stuff going on. Oh my gosh. What hasn't been going on, Ian? I think that's the bigger question. It feels like I talked to you 10 years ago, not yeah. about a year ago. So either either time is moving a lot faster, or I'm just aging really quickly. I think a lot's been going on. You know, it's one of those things when I talked to you, I was approaching six months at Ironclad. And um, a year later, I'm really, really, first of all, I've learned so many lessons, <laughs> so many lessons. But I'm really proud of the work that the team has done to get us moving and getting us marketing in, in a much more high volume, get things out the door, try new things and experiment. But we've also seen our go-to-market team really deal with market trends and nail some enterprise logos this last year, which have propelled us into a new buying committee and, and a lot of different focus areas that were not top focus areas. Or if they'd been tried before, doing it with a lot more strategy and thought behind it than just like throwing up a website and saying, we meet this person's need, right? Like actually telling the story, explaining the product, understanding where we sit in the market against competition, those kind of things, taking a deeper step back. So I would say this last year for us at Ironclad, as from a marketing perspective, we also had AI everywhere. Yep. <laughs> and I think every CMO out there has tried to just understand how to ride the waves of that crazy generational shift in how yeah. we describe what the technology does. So gosh, I, I could go on all day of all the changes, but the, the bottom line is we survived the year, we thrived, we learned, and we hit pretty much most of our goals, which was exciting for me. I'm definitely a numbers-driven person. So that's where I'm sitting today. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, for y'all, 
you know, I think well, I, from the space in general, first you have yeah. like, you know, AI powered contract management software, you have something where the stuff that you're able to do isn't just for legal, it's for, you know, business teams, it's for, yeah. you know, sales and procurement and IT and finance, yeah. marketing and HR. And like, everyone is in this, in, in this little world. And I think we all know that contracting and these processes are changing so fast. And to use a, you know, a tool like Ironclad, you know, is the perfect sort of, you know, reason oh, totally. for you to step in and say like, have you thought of doing this? Yeah. So it seems like it's, it's such a obvious AI use case and it seems like you know you being at the at the at the front of it is probably pretty exciting. It is exciting. It is an obvious use case. It's funny. I feel like Ironclad, and for those listening who don't know, we basically think of ourselves as the way to make and manage digital business contracts. So uh, we are in the the category of contract lifecycle management. We think about creating contracts, editing them, sending them for signature, managing vendors, approval. We really feel like contracts are digital assets that can help your company with the data that's stored inside of them. So when you think about AI, AI is all about how you're going to harvest your data. And when we looked at our base, I mean, first of all, we had that going for us, but we also had the trend that legal was one of the first professions that really has been in the forefront of AI adoption in a lot of ways. You saw them 100%. showing up you know, on Forbes, CNBC, everywhere you could be, I think, I'm really lucky because I have a CEO and co-founder, Jason and, and Kai, who both have a lot of vision around this. But we looked at our own metrics. And it's funny, a year into this, we launched an AI assist product that was really trying to redline contracts. We've got a generative AI chatbot, which I know, you know folks are saying they all have. We really worked on the percentage of accuracy and are still are working on that to make sure that it's something that is palatable for any user across that life cycle. We've believed that our AI has saved an estimated cumulative 29 years for customers across the contract upload review and redlining process in one year. That's so crazy. And we've had over a billion contracts processed on the platform. But when we look at the metadata extracted and used to help customers with their contracts, we are, whether they're tagging them or trying to get red lines, we think there's been 10 and a half million predictions made. 25% of the Forbes AI 50 list are ironclad customers. And it's because we're just in the right place at the right time, Ian. You yeah. could say we, we did a great job at marketing. I, I think we held on and did our best with marketing as things <laughs> were changing as quickly as possible. And I hope every CMO and marketing leader totally can relate to that statement because it really has been a hold on. And I think on a personal level for me going into this year, I think I always feel like when I walk in the room, I'm doing the best to give the advice that I have for how we create awareness and get that story out there about what we can do with what's hot in the market. But in general, I think a lot of CMOs, including myself, feel like there's so much more you could do if you could predict where this was going, or if you had customer stories, or if you had this or you that. And so that's where I kind of look now is how do we walk the talk and build trust from a marketing perspective? Luckily, I've put out some numbers that help us get there, but it's not easy. It's been a hard trend to keep up with. It's not a trend either. It's like a yeah, shift well, yeah. in everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I think that, you know, for a lot of us who, you know, spend time in contracting as, yeah. as you know, we do in marketing, yeah. we're looking at contracts all the freaking time. Okay. I know. And you think of how big of a pain they are and then, you know, having to figure out who in procurement and this and that and whatever. And it's like, you know, there, how many, how many times in your career as a marketer, have you said to a vendor or somebody like, Hey, 
it's going to take you like a month to get you in the system and oh, we'll figure that stuff out. And that's not even counting the legal stuff. And and like the idea that that stuff is cut in 80% is like saving everybody so much freaking time. I'm I'm here for it. I'm ready for it's it. It's so true. Thank you for saying that. I agree. Actually, as we look at these logos that we brought in this last year and, and how we talk to different personas, we've been mostly focused on legal and legal ops. And I have intuitive, wonderful humans inside Ironclad who started as lawyers that I can rely on for understanding the psyche of those personas. But as we get into procurement and we talk to that audience a little bit more strategically as a marketing leader, I'm like, let me tell you, I understand working with procurement. I understand trying to get a hundred contracts through in a quarter. Like you understand the challenges there. And it's one of the reasons I I love marketing at Ironclad because it it is such a pain point. People want to run for the hills when they hear about contracts in terms of... (laughs) any company I've worked at. Oh my gosh. So. That's like, I, I say that to our, I say that to our finance team and our, yeah. and our legal team all the time. I'm like, yeah. I just don't want to ever deal with it. And I think that that's yeah. like one of my, one of my, back in the day when I was in the army, yeah. my, one of my, my <laughs> battalion commander sat down after we had like an exercise in the field and I was basically essentially like HR leader. Right. And so he sits okay. down and he's like, you know, Ian, I didn't hear from you this whole, this whole week. And that's how it should be. <laughs> and, uh, and I was, I was, I always reflect on that. That is as, so funny. As a very weird thing, but it is funny, right? It's like you know, going to the doctor, right? It's like you only, you know, you only go when you have something wrong. It's like you only are upset at the contract process when when something's going wrong. Oh. When it's like a smooth, seamless process, you know, presumably using Ironclad, you know, then you're not you're not going to be all huffing and puffing about it as I want to do. It's true. And then also like when it's a bad process and you can't get the information you need when you need it to make better business decisions. I mean, you really want to blow it all up. And I think for me, the challenge is, is telling that bigger story. Like how can you, once you've fixed your contracting process, now what are you going to do with that data? How are you going to, you know, I, as a marketing leader, want to understand all of my vendor approvals. I want to understand the money that I've committed to. I want to understand the obligations that I have out there. These are the things that make us better at operating and also save the business money, help us run faster. So I think give us control, you know, all of those things, understanding where your business is spending is, is a huge one, but then also looking around the corner as to what's working and how you tie that back to pipeline is a big one. So I see a big future in contracts in general for everyone, especially as like the market gets harder. Profitability is something you need to be thinking about. It's it's just it makes good sense. So anyway, I won't make this a commercial about contracts, but I do I do think like this year with trends and AI and things like that, we've had a moment which is really cool. And momentum as a marketer is everything, right? Yeah, well, so. and, and I think it's a perfect segue to our next segment here, the playbook. This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is: you play to win the game. Hello, you play to win the game. Yes, the because playbook. it. I think it influences, you know, the types of plays that you're running, right? So it's like, this is, you know, you had the before sort of AI boom and now you have the after AI boom. So the way that you message, the way that you go to personas, like everything has changed. And we'll dig into that here in the next segment. Okay. So yeah, tell me about sort of like, how does this change your channels? How does this change your tactics and the plays that you're, you're, you're running? You know, I think in general, where we've been really strong is demand coming inbound from digital marketing sources. Our mm. SEO has been high in our in our respective keywords. We've had a good like paid advertising strategy, 
But what we've really had to expand and understand better, and, and we've had a great organic social strategy. I think the influencers that we've had with Mary O'Carroll and Alex Sue and Legal Ops has really helped us with like growing just, just fans and champions mm. internally, which have really helped. And I, I, I don't take any credit for that. I think that that's ironclad secret sauce before I got to the role. But when I look at it now, it's how are we maximizing a lot of the things that we're doing across channels, Ian? And, you know, one of the things I thought was interesting is we were ignoring a lot of different folks in that enterprise buying cycle, not ignoring, but not speaking to them the same way we speak to legal with that kind of love and understanding. And that's changing a lot this year. IT is becoming more and more involved in many of our conversations as you look at the tech stack. And so understanding our event strategy, our industry events game, how we're getting eyes, where the people are, and what influencers we can leverage in those communities that are actually using the product and want to speak to it. You know, you can't, you can't fluff this stuff up. You got to yeah. have people that truly believe in what you're doing and really understand that you have the best product in the market. And so that has been a big, a big change for us. We also have tried to grow closer to sales and really support outbound in a way that marketing hasn't before. I think when you have a strong inbound funnel, sometimes your sales relationship isn't as strong as it should be. Yeah, you might be watching conversion and you might be watching like how things are moving forward to pipeline, but it's easy to go like this after that. And when you start to understand that new business shouldn't drive your entire company strategy, that customer adoption, cross-sell, understanding the logos you want to go after, um, this is something we've really been working on. Uh, and so putting up a field marketing organization, really trying to understand how we get AEs to get their own pipe and how we support them. What is our outbound campaign messaging and plan? Where's our ABM strategy? Um, how are we using customer stories at every stage of you know the, the mid to bottom funnel? What are we doing to help them close deals? I think those are the areas where we've really been focused on building new motions, cool, new organizations, and some new channels. So, I love it, and we'll, yeah. we'll dig in on all that stuff. So, okay, you mentioned the influencer piece. I think this is something yeah. like it's such a best in class sort of strategy. Something we see with a lot of our customers in, in terms yeah. of y'all have been cranking on a really cool podcast, thirty plus episodes. You have yeah. the host is an influencer, Mary, who you, who you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And and like, how did this? Well, like, why did you want to run this sort of like? And again, it, even the term influencer, I know, is very like you know you know who knows what that even means. But in yeah. this case, like, she is someone who is influential in the space, hence totally. being an influencer. And also, you know, you're putting her at the center of a content initiative. Yeah, I think in general, when you look at some best practices from B2C. And if we're just all on our own social platforms, whatever they might be, Ian, like, I don't know about you. Are you on TikTok right now? I try, I try, I try to stay. <laughs> it is way too addicting for me. So I try oh, to stay well, off it as much as humanly possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the whole point. It's funny. Cause when we, so Mary was doing a podcast, had done a few before I came in. And I think when we looked at content in general, we didn't have anybody leading content and we weren't leveraging a lot of the activities. And my first strategy last year was just get everyone as busy as possible. So everyone's doubling <laughs> down on where they're at, right? Like in order to get good at marketing, you still have to be marketing and then you can hone and be working smarter and harder. And so blowing things up a lot was the strategy. That's not super, like, doesn't sound super smart, but it's really like, if we know this works and people are listening to it, let's do it. But let's not just do it on that channel. And that's why I asked about social, because what I'm really proud of the team for 
was taking Mary's podcast, thinking about how we do it more efficiently internally versus externally. And that was a big move for us. And when we moved it internally, now we could actually start to have some thoughts on the content versus it just being Mary who understands the community. But how does that content relate to our message and the story we want to tell? Yep. How can we use our own internal influencers, if you will, to be on that podcast? So if we're talking to IT, let's get more IT and people speaking with this legal department. Let's get the cross love going and then let's slice it and dice it. Let's put it on TikTok. Some of our best produced pieces of that podcast are TikTok videos that have crazy engagement on just 10 seconds of that podcast. And I love it. I think if it's crazy addicting for you in your personal life, it should be crazy addicting to you in your business life, right? That's right. So that's kind of what we've been thinking. And so now it's how do we take that and how do we think about other folks that we can put up on a pedestal? I really believe that in marketing, it shouldn't be just you telling your story. And I think that's where Mary is so unique. She she built a whole industry recognized organization around this legal ops persona. So she was doing that before Ironclad came into the picture. And that's kind of what I look for in this moment. I know you and I were talking before the podcast about how you think about almost celebrities in their fields doing things that make people really pay attention. And that's what we're trying to do. Because at the end of the day, we're just people making decisions. We're not like the head of IT doing this, you know? Yeah. I like to think about community. Yeah. And this is one of the the chapters in my book, the serialized oh. content framework. I better get, I better get on that, Ian. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, <laughs> I'll send you the free copy. They're Please, free. I want it. <laughs> you can download for free. But one of the, so one of the chapters is about community. And so yeah. the book is primarily about building serialized content. But one of, I was sort of like, well, I have to put a chapter about community because yeah. community and content are, are sort of intermixed. And my whole thing on this is like, your community they'll be there they were there before you got there and they'll be there long after 100%. you're gone right so yes. it's like these this group of people they already exist they already wear the t-shirt like you know if their t-shirt says legal ops or if it says you know marketing nerd or whatever totally. it's like totally. you're just you're just coming in and providing additional resources or content or things to like feed the conversation or help them meet up or help them sort of come up with ideas. And I think that so many people sort of like get that wrong, that it's like this, this thing already exists. Now your communities end up being very, like you have your customer community, you have your user community, yeah. You have, you know, your customer advisory board, like you have these other micro communities within that, but there's this like, I call it total addressable community, but this like, there's this big, oh. you know, this big, yeah, right. Um, I this like big it. community that, that like people try to like go after the whole thing all the time. And it's like, that's probably really hard, but the fast track is to find influencers that are yeah. already known in that space. And like, people yeah. just aren't really doing this. And then the final thing I'll say on this is that the algorithms want that. They don't want your brand. And like, that's the big difference. It's like, they want Such a her to talk and yes. they want people to engage with her. They're like, you know, and LinkedIn like reserves 80% of its traffic for people, not for brands for that exact reason. So anyhow. Totally agree. And it's, it's funny where I really learned about the heart of community was at Twilio because that developer mm-hmm. community, there was, I think we had at one point, the developer evangelism team was like, over 60, 70 people around the world, just going to different language user, like different language groups and different, you know, how are, what's the Python community saying? What's, what's, what's the Java community saying? And so when you think about that, 
it had nothing to do with us, but we're supporting them doing the work that they're going to do either way. And that just happens naturally. Like you don't have to force it. It's not all about you. And that really is like, at the end of the day, I don't want somebody like if it was Caspian studios, just talking about Caspian all, all the time. And Ian is just talking about, you know, marketing, marketing, like, but you're relating to people. You're meeting them where they are. Like you're giving advice to how to do things differently in a different way to think. And, and I think that is so important. So yeah. I, I just, I, I can't say that enough. I don't, I don't, I love TAC. I hadn't heard that before. Total addressable community. I'm going to steal that. It's yeah, our TAC. You can, yeah. We got lots of TAC well, to build in different areas. Right? Well, that's, so when, <laughs> when we talk about content, no, I totally. So yeah. when we talk about content, I always talk about like, okay, well, what's the minimum viable community within your tech, right? So it's yeah. like, it's just like yeah. startup world, right? It's yeah, like, totally. you could sell to anyone, but who are the ones where you want to focus and, you know, and deliver that stuff. And like, that's I, the I, important part is like, you can go a mile deep with yes. Mary on the legal ops community because yes. that's her community. And then if you make multi-channel, multi-format content in all the different places where people consume that stuff, you're probably going to do really well. And that's what you totally. did. You ran the playbook. You didn't even know. I didn't even know. Well, the thing is, is I'm, I'm not, it's so funny. Like you, I'm sure you, when you talk to different people, it's, I, I'm not always like going to use the quote unquote industry terms, but I think in general, you know, if you're watching the data and you're watching the metrics and you understand how things are performing, you just keep trying to repeat what's working in those areas and, and that runs the model. But it is, it's really interesting because I see it happen a lot. I'm sure you hear this a lot. That piece of what you just said about who specifically in the community and going deep with them is, I think, the real crucial piece to success on that, no matter how much yep. content you put against any, because even internally, I've seen this happen, even this last year, and we're working through this, is like we've we've landed a couple of really good opportunities where we've sold our SFDC integration and it's been to a sales team. And so mm -hmm. the word is we're going to go after sales now. We're going after sales, but we're really not going after sales. Sales leaders are not the ones picking up technology necessarily that's going to help with the contract review process, right? Right. That's probably RevOps and sales ops and or sales enablement. And it's deep into those communities trying to build tech stacks where now I'm like, how do we help them make the business better and make them the champions that really improved an, an AE's day, right? But it's not sales. Yeah. And I, I always think that's really interesting. You have to keep fighting that. Like what specific group inside is happening, which is 101. But at the same time, it's not because it's hard no. to define that unless you really get to know them. Well, so the antithesis of that, and I've talked about this, you know, a, a, a bunch and, and also like part of the reason why, like I, I wrote this, this silly yeah. book was yeah. because like a lot of the stuff just didn't have names. And I was trying to like figure out the names for I all love this that. stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, like, I have to write a book with all these thoughts. But one of the things that I think is, is really fascinating about like, once you start zooming in on these, on these personas and you start getting closer and closer and closer to like what it actually is. The antithesis of this is what we hear all the time. And when you make a show, it's like you have to get specific on this. And what we hear all the time is let's make a future of work show for CIOs and CMOs and CDOs and whatever. And every yes. single time I go, yes. do you ever, as a CMO, do you ever listen to anything that IT, like, would you listen to an IT podcast? And they're like, no. I'm like, why would we yeah. make a show that features, you know, all that stuff yeah. at the same time? It doesn't make any sense. Like what we really want to do is just tell the one person whose job it is to do the thing and then like create everything for that person. And so I think when totally. you think about 
content, it allows you to like frame it a little bit easier. Whereas like when you're selling it, you're like, well, of course sales wants to buy this. Like, it's like, no, the salesperson doesn't, he wants to close his, his quota like yeah. this month. That's he it. wants to stay in the same tool and not think about this little thing that I'm trying to sell him or her. Like that's never yeah. going to happen. So it is interesting. It, it's, it's, we have taken a step back this year to really think about like the messages that matter and who we're telling them to and how we can then work smarter, but also take the lessons from the other messages campaigns and double down on what's working or what's not in these communities. Like, Cause I think that community love gets you so much further. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cur- yeah. I'm curious how you think about that. Like, this is one of the things that I've yeah. sort of, we've had like customers who have made like three or four or five shows or whatever. And they, yeah. you know, different persona based shows and sort of like the idea is like, if you close your eyes and you waved a magic wand, you woke up the next day and you had like all these different series for each of your key personas, then like you had control of that, like quote unquote community, yeah. right. Is like you, you had that. If like just tomorrow you owned CIO.com and CMO.com and you know, like whatever. Right. Yeah. Like what would you do then? Right. And so, you know, you don't have that stuff. So how do you, how do you think about shaping, you know, these different, these different groups that they don't think about your problem 24 seven, they probably think about it five minutes a year, but it is something that's part of their life. And contracting is literally everyone's, everyone's business. Yeah. I think you flip the question and you think about their problems related to this little thing or to their day. Right. And I think that gets back into what you were just saying about community. I mean, when I look at, first of all, sales and marketing, like I can't do my job without sales closing business. And no matter how much demand I bring in, if they don't close it at the end of the quarter, neither one of us win, right? It's the same thing if I put my myself in a salesperson's position and I think about how many things our internal organization is asking sales to do. Just our internal, not even customers, just think about how yeah. much... You know, most of us can sit here and go, yeah, well, we sent that Slack and we sent that email and we told you guys, we told you what was going on, right? It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, if finance wants them to follow this in forecasting and or, or deals desk and ops is asking them to do something new in how you use Salesforce. And then as they go to close the deal, they have to go into a new tool to actually get that contract closed and review. And, and then their, their sales leader is coming to them saying, when did this happen? And like, I'm trying to think of the psyche of the day mm-hmm. and I don't matter in the psyche of the day, but you know what? I know that closing a deal matters in the psyche of the day. So how do I make that my storyline? How does closing a deal happen faster? And who am I saying it to? I'm not saying it to the sales rep. I'm saying it to the ops person who has the relationship with the sales rep who can tell that story in a way that I never could to them because they don't care about me (laughs) (laughs) or what I'm selling, right? So I think about it like that and, and how we're taking that is we're doing, I just did this with my team a week ago, right before the end of the quarter we did a three-day session of messages that matter and got into the psyche of what we think is happening with this persona as they're looking at doing their day job. What story could we tell them? And how does that layer into maybe the feeling or the bigger brand messages, but is, is a lot more direct to them, not as subtle, not just trust or connection or this, that, or the other, but like, what's the team sport happening between sales and legal that we know we can speak to legal with and we have enough folks working with legal that we can tell that story? And kind of just mapping out what those will look like and then the tactics underneath them. I think one of the things I know that we've, I believe, I shouldn't say I know, that sounds kind of crappy. Like we're so good. 
But one of the things I believe we've done well in this last year is telling those stories with humor. One of our mm. best performing social posts was Alex Sue, who's a community leader on this woman Mary's team who I've been talking about. And, and just him talking about the sales and legal partnership. And he's the legal guy. He's a former lawyer. And he's talking from his perspective on video about how sales will treat him at the end of the quarter and how sales <laughs> will call him, you know, probably 35 times in the yeah. same day. And he'll just kind of sit there and he'll tell sales what to do. And then they don't do it. And then they both kind of like get frustrated with each other. Like those moments are the best things ever because people know you're not lying. Like you're just telling the truth. This actually sucks. And we look at each other this way, you know? We were we were on a call with our, our lawyer. It was me, lawyer in sales. We were on a call the other day. And he was like, just so you know, our lawyer said this, just so you know, with Ian, everything is ASAP. I'm like, no, it's only ASAP <laughs> with you. Exactly. You're one of those people, Ian. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was like, I was like, that's not true. It's only you that I need everything ASAP. It's Everyone totally, else yeah, has normal exactly. timelines. Everyone has normal timelines, but I need this contract tomorrow. I got to get this vendor on. I got to do this, yeah. right? Like we all feel it. So I think, you know, when I'm looking at this year, we did a lot of great work. I mean, I'm really proud of the team, but I think now it's like, as we're kind of expanding the sales ops, rev ops, procurement, IT, we have to work smarter across that and really think yeah. about what's what's really won for us. And those things have been great moments in the last year. So that's how we're looking at it. I love it. Any other sort of things that you're thinking about sort of investing in and experimenting yeah. in in 2024? Where's your 10% tweaks and ads and things like that? You know, I'm curious what you're hearing on the podcast from different mm -hmm. leaders. And I, I really am. So when I think about 10% investments, I've got some things that we're really seeing as promising. We're looking at like things like connected TV, going a little bit deeper on YouTube and some different social investments. And then I'm also looking at when you think about the search generative experience coming and we get a lot of traffic with our SEO wins. Mm -hmm. How am I, how am I thinking about awareness a little bit differently? I mean, I know we're all kind of like, don't know what this is going to mean, but it seems to be showing that B2B marketing, we're going to take a little bit of a hit in SEO. So how am I thinking about awareness in other areas. I think that's where I'm really trying to put some investment in dollars, not just like outdoor awareness, but like when I'm really trying to hit from a top of funnel perspective, if that changes a little bit, how am I thinking about whether it's, whether it's airport placement or YouTube or where people are listening at night and what they're doing, content comes in there from a podcast perspective, but those are things that we're really trying to play with. And then I think the other place we're trying to play with is how are we going to actually take on the trends in the market when it comes to AI to mm. make conversion better? So I have a great ops leader who's thinking about conversational email for us. We just we just kind of reorged and um, have our SDRs reporting into marketing this year. We didn't have that last year. So mm. how are we going to help them with demand? How are we going to help them do things faster with quality? How are we thinking about using AI tools to help with our product marketing and messaging. Like those are some things that we're trying to figure out right now in terms of investments and experiments. Yeah, that's exciting. You know, yeah. and, and, and I'll say this, that I think that, you know, we're all trying to figure out, you know, people know, like trust, right? Like, yeah, you know, totally. how do, how do we, how do we get people to know us and like us and ultimately trust us? And I think that some of the things that, you know, you and I were talking about before we got on, yeah. on air is that sort of like we, that sometimes less people or, 
you know, making something more targeted or more personable or more personalized yeah. or whatever it is that those things are going to, you know, get accelerate that sort of like trust building type thing. Totally. And that stuff is more experiential oh, yeah. and experimental. Yeah. It's like both of those things. So it's just an interesting sort of time to say like, well, if I can't talk to every single person with one thing, like how am I talking to different people very differently? Yeah. And then how are you, how are you capturing those other people with things that could be helpful, but that create action points that then tell you when you should engage with them. Right. I think we were talking about earlier and this is before we started, but I, I have noticed coming into this role the tactics and strategies that worked during the COVID years don't work the same way anymore. You can't have yeah. overproduced, highly produced content and just a thousands of people's in, a, in attendance. Like I'm burned out on that crap anyway. I don't know if anybody else yep. is not crap. It's been wonderful and thank God for it. Cause it kept us all employed, but like, <laughs> you know, but when you think about it now, I think people want you to be much more real. I think the short, like, very intentional conversations, ways that you're one-to-one. -one. Like I love the field marketing activities with the salesperson and their accounts. Like whether it's personalized, whether it's swag, whether it's being at industry events, like something that makes it stand out a little bit more like you cared, which sounds silly. Like, do we have feelings? Do we care this much? I mean, I, we better, because I think it's a differentiator if you, if you can, and you can show that really, really well. And it shows up in metrics. Like we've seen really small attended more bespoke focused content do better than thousand person webinars in general from a pipeline and moving the business forward yeah this i last agree too year. yeah no i agree yeah. too we we have too it's just like you know the more the more unique the use case and personalized and all that stuff yeah. like you you just get someone who's like way more engaged and you get more totally. engagement in the in the chat and all that stuff yeah totally Leslie, it's wonderful yeah. chatting with you as always. For our listeners, go to ironcloudapp.com to learn more. They got a sweet little section on there. Don't let contracts slow down your campaigns for all you marketing people. Don't <laughs> Leslie, any, Don't any final em. thoughts? <laughs> I just want to say to all of my marketing peeps who are part of my community, like, keep showing up. I feel like this has been a crazy year and, you know, lots of market changes, lots of shifts when it came to technology. I hope everybody keeps showing up and having fun with it because if you're not having fun anymore, then it, it's just, it's not going to be good. Like we got to enjoy ourselves, take care of yourselves too. I feel like every leader I'm talking to right now is burned out with whether it's AI or something else. And at the end of the day, like good marketing is really hard. It's subjective. So give yourself yeah. a break and keep trying and hopefully find the things that make it joyful. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> I could not agree more. Like oh. it, it, it can be fun and yeah, and it's so, so fun when it is. Well, it is. And thank you, Ian, for giving us inspiration. I can't <laughs> wait to, 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 to listen to some of your business fiction podcast stuff. I'm <laughs> really, you. really excited about this. So I appreciate you having me back. I love, I love talking to you. Yeah. Likewise. Talk soon. Thank you. Thanks again to our friends at qualified.com conversational sales and marketing platform that transforms the way B2B companies sell. Go to qualified.com to learn more.